It's All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, continuing our interview series, Off the Road, with another group from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We've been fortunate to speak with musicians around the world during the pandemic, and you can hear hours of interviews online now, some with exclusive musical performances. Just look for the Off the Road banner on the front page at hawaiipublicradio.org to hear everyone we've spoken with so far. That includes the first part of our conversation with legendary rock band Deep Purple and their guitarist Steve Morse, a noted solo artist and guitar player in his own right and founder of pioneering fusion group the Dixie Dregs. Steve joined us from his farm in Florida, sharing details about the latest Deep Purple album, Woosh, and stories of their last concert dates, just as COVID-19 was arriving in North America. As we continue, Steve explains how both the Deep Purple tour, their biggest ever, and a gig on a music-themed cruise with a side project were both blown out by the coronavirus. Suddenly, I found out that our tour was canceled. We had a Flying Colors trip with another band I'm in a, sort of a prog rock yep. and we were going to do the rock and roll cruise and that was the biggest thing of all was that these people were heavily getting infection rates on the cruises Right. but we were booked for a week on that and we couldn't cancel we had to wait to see if they were going to cancel out right up to the last minute it seemed like I was sweating that a little bit because that would have meant another 14 days in isolation for me wow in fact all our family was supposed to be on the cruise even worse yeah and then Shawnee, of course, wouldn't be able to go, our, our, our daughter with, with the special needs. And then it was, we were already talking about who's going to stay behind to take care of her. And anyway, we found out that was canceled. Then the entire year of Deep Purple was canceled. And I found out ever since I stopped making money, I've never been busier. <laughs> because everybody suddenly had time to email these long emails. And then my friends that were musicians were like, hey, can you play on this? Hey, would you listen to this? Hey, can you critique this, hey, I need a, a solo on this. And pretty soon I've got more stuff to do in the studio than I've ever had. <laughs> so that's what's changed, is that I spend a lot more time sitting. I'm a general outdoor person. I like to be doing things during the day. Have you been touched by the losses uh, in this personally? Has anyone that you know? Yeah, my guitar roadie for many years and friend and member of our tribe since the Drags days, Scoot. He committed suicide during this lockdown. He was a very people person, and uh, that's all he cared about was just being around people, helping them make things happen. I remember he, he distributed a lot of the equipment that we had left over from our tour that, that he was in charge of, and he would let other musicians use it just to help them out. You know, and he, he be, became more depressed just from being so isolated. That's that's the one that touched me the most is, is yeah, okay, we locked down. Does it matter? People debate, is the cure worse than the disease? And for, for him, it was. Right. Kind of like you were talking, um, some people are more vulnerable than others. Um, like you were saying about quarantining for your daughter. Yeah. You point out a, a real hard truth to this, which is that it can be difficult in both ways. Yeah. That's touching. What was his name again? Scoots Lennon. And uh, we were supposed to have a memorial for him. Scoots knew lots of people. Musicians. Lots of great musicians from the Macon, Georgia, you know, the Almond Brothers areas is where the Lindens grew up. There was going to be lots of lots of people playing at his memorial. But his son, he decided to postpone it until we could, you know, safely have a concert. And right. The collective wisdom of when we can do that is still out. The the doctors can't even agree. There's all kinds of controversy. 
And that kind of leads to the question of Deep Purple's tour. Your website lists some dates, including Greece and Turkey. Ironically, a couple countries feuding again at the moment for mid-2021. 2020, they rebooked it in 2021 with very few changes. And the promoters were fine to do that because really just changed the last number of all the contracts. Same they, dates, you're saying. It'll be the same yeah, dates. And we're hopeful. By the way, you talk about playing in two places that are feuding. One time we played in Lebanon and in Israel. The king in Lebanon had been bombed by a rocket in Israel, and the, the bridge was out going across this gorge. And uh, we were riding with this Lebanese guy to the gig, and he kept getting phone calls. I, I don't speak any Arabic, but he's, he was excellent bilingual. So I said, who's that, man? Who keeps calling? He said, my mother. I said, don't tell me. She's worried about you being with all these foreigners. He kind of sheepishly nodded and said, yes. <laughs> said, well, my mom would think the same thing if I said, hey, I'm in Lebanon. We just passed this bombed out bridge and we're, the guy that's driving us uh, doesn't believe in the same religion as us. You know? So I said, it's that way everywhere. You know, here we are in the same vehicle. We're getting along fine and everyone would. But it's hard to get past some of the fears that people have. Oh, that's a great point, man. The anonymity of the internet and big media takes away that personal experience. If we look people in the eye, and share something with them, anything. We drop those, those, uh, I guess, fears. We go around the world and the audience is the same. They look different, but they react to music the same. They have the, exactly the same souls as we do. We all share that. And traveling around the world, literally around the world, and even seeing, like in communist China, seeing people slowly, hesitantly moving closer to the stage. Over the course of our tour, we got the guards to put their weapons down and let the people come up. And just seeing them, you know, at first out of fear, afraid to have any reaction. But once they knew it was okay, they turned into regular old people. <laughs> That's the best part of my job is that I get to communicate with people in the one universal language. It's great what you said about how uh, music is really this international phenomenon that brings people together. And I love the way that you reference, you know, Deep Purple is obviously a band that have a huge international kind of phenomenon when it comes to its fan base, its history. Your final question, and that is, because you, you kind of intimated it real early in the interview talking about how when you guys would rehearse occasionally, you said you chose this place in Germany because all those cats are from England. So when you rehearse in England, all kinds of rock stars show up and, and it can be distracting. Uh, so your final question would be, favorite hero encounter stories? Yes, several. Well, first of all, because of Roger, we were doing rehearsals in England in late 90s says, Fancy go to see Liv and George? I said, all right, but we gotta, we got to get back to, to rehearsal. So he says, we'll just stop by fatigue. Okay, so we pull up to this gigantic place, and that's just the guardhouse. It turns out Liv and George was George Harris and his wife, Olivia. So we hung out for a long time and literally had tea. That's the afternoon tea. <laughs> that was awesome. It was real cool, and it? That, that was a cool encounter. And then uh, back when we played on Jay Leno's show, just seeing the professionalism that he would come into the dressing room and even though we were just a musical guest, he would ask some pertinent questions and kind of do a pre-interview right. so that he would be able to make a better introduction. Yep. That level of professionalism that I always saw from him and that he learned from Johnny Carson and funny and witty. So that's one of my big heroes just being able to be next to one of the gargantuan people. And, and during that show, meeting 
Tommy Chong and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, backstage, wow. just just hanging out. <laughs> but there's been lots of great moments. I took my my young son to Italy. We were doing a thing with Pavarotti, and Deep Purple was a guest. Eric Clapton was also there, and we had a day of rehearsal. So I brought my son with me. And he was a little kid and cute and everything. Introduced him to Eric Clapton because we we're you know we we're kind of like eating in the same area. And the next day we come back for the gig day, and he stoops down to my little son and says, well, "Hello, Kevin. How are you doing?" I was blown away. I, I have trouble remembering names, but that he would do that and that he would know, just instinctively know how important it is to connect with young people in a positive way. And, and, the, and then the later I put two and two together, oh yes, that's right, he lost his son. That's right. About the same age. But that was, that was an awesome moment to just, I don't know, big respect. That's a great one to leave it on, unless you got another one that you're queuing up for me. That's just such a touching... That's a good one. That's good one to a, yes, it is. I humbly hope that you've uh, been somewhat kept busy or entertained or enjoyed doing this with me today. Um, Definitely. It's a great interview, and, and thank you. The great Steve Morse of Deep Purple, guitar player, longer than any other guitarist in the band. Whoosh, their new record, and you spread some great energy and some great stories, too, Steve. Well, same here. Thank you. And to everyone out there, love to everybody. Thank you for supporting music, and let's, let's make the world better. Thank you, David. Great, great job. And be safe there on the farm. Don't step in anything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David.